0: Today, we will be speaking with Li Yang. She'll get us started with an introduction about herself, then we'll jump to the talk about innovation and strategic communication. Enjoy.
1: Uh, My name is Li Yang, and I'm a PhD student, fourth year PhD student at Columbia Business School. And I've been doing research in um, accounting. Maybe not so many people know what accounting research is, but mostly we deal with anything related to information disclosure how like information plays a role in different settings that like firms involve themselves with and and i have been mainly doing theory meaning using like um game theory game theoretic models and and make an abstract version of the story that's going on that I want to tell. And in the form of math, I saw some kind of equilibrium, what's the best strategies for all players in this game, and then then derive the predictions from the model and see if I have anything interesting to say.
0: Can you break down the process by which firms innovate and who are the different players in this process?
1: So um this is uh, in the in the context of my paper innovation and strategic communication what we have in mind is the setting where um there is like a central decision maker maybe like board of firms and then um CEOs or executives or or regional managers, and they are the ones who are collecting information and will present it to the central decision maker. And then a decision maker will choose, um, based on those information, choose which project they would like to implement. Um, And these projects can be more risky or more routine for a company. And and then, then the decision maker would just then take a call from 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 the reporting of the of the lower managers and keeping in mind that the lower managers may have a different incentive or they have their own thing going on. um and they take a grain of salt from whatever they report. with this in mind, that the central decision maker would decide on whether to innovate or to. Um, stay more low key and do their usual business.
0: Can you talk about uh what the dynamic is in the interaction between an agent and a principal, and explain what the roles of these two different people is?
1: Yeah. Um. In so, like the usual model that people use for for um for studying the trade-off between exploitation and exploration is this bandit model um, the bandit problem that maybe we all know about it's like you have a bandit machine and you pull the arm and if you pull enough number of times then you learn um, what's the likelihood that this machine will give you a big price and if you pull like 10, 20 times, and then you see nothing coming out, you want to move to the next machine. And what I'm studying is that if you don't see the the result from each pulling of the arm, rather someone else would tell you what's the result of, of um pulling what, what's one, one pull of the arm would give you. And then you know that this guy, he likes, he just likes to pull pull the arms. He doesn't care whether I get the big prize or not. Maybe I will share like part of it with him, but he also has his secret agenda that he is really just very fond of pulling arms. Um, so when he tells me this is going great, maybe it's it, it not it, it's not. And because he likes to pull arms. He doesn't want me to stop with this machine. And then he couldn't get his perk of pulling arms anymore. So, knowing that, um, do I do I decide to to follow what he suggested, keep pulling the current arm, or do I move on to the next machine? That's the that's the basic setting that um, this paper was is studying.
0: And can you talk about the model of experimentation? and strategic communication that you use in your research?
1: So the the detail of the model is like a very stylized decision problem of when there are two projects, one experimental project, where the payoff of that project is uncertain. It can be high. Um. The pay, the, 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 both, both projects are stochastic in the sense that they give uncertain payoffs. But for one project, you, you are not even sure about the probability of, um, with which that it will give you a high payoff. And then there are two players one's the principal and one is the agent. The principal decide whether the agent should implement the experimental project or the routine project whose payoff whose probability of success is known. And the agent would implement the project and would observe the state of the um, project state realization and then report it back to the principal. In the next period, the principal decides again which project to implement. Um, And with such a setting, um, this, this, this form of reporting is taking a form of what we call a cheap talk, um, a cheap talk form in the sense that whatever the agent report, he will not be punished for it, even if he lies, even if both the principal and the agent knows that he is lying, but because it's the soft information that he is reporting, there's no hard evidence that you can hold up against him, and say, oh, you are lying, and and punish him so cheap talk in the sense that the agent can report whatever he wants without um getting any punishment if he is not stating the truth and this type of cheap talk model it's very widely studied in academia and it has standard solutions when the bias of the agent is too high uh then there will be no no informative communication going on between the principal and the agent because they really want very different things. And when the bias is below some threshold, then um the agent will report the truth because he and the principal basically want, wants in the bigger picture, big direction, the same things. And then he will report truthfully. And when we Combine this paper combines such a cheap talk model with experimentation with the bandit problem, and our goal is to find out whether this threshold for the agent to report tr- to report truthfully would change when the stake is about um, choosing between an experimental and a routine project, and on the flip side of that. Um, this is the agent's reporting problem. On the flip side of that, there's the principles experimentation problem. Um, and for the for the standard bandit problem, we also know what's the best solution when the agent is always reporting the truth. That is, we experiment and if we see the outcome is bad, we switch to the routine project. And if we see the outcome is good, and then we stick with the with the experimental project because we know it is promising, and when we put both of the problems, the bandit problem, and the cheap talk problem together, they actually have some interesting interaction between them, in the sense that when the agent is uh, which is also a kind of surprising result. We find that when the agent is not telling the truth, when he is self-centered rather than an honest agent, the principal would, would be more likely to implement the experimental project, which is to say he is more she is more likely to innovate. The principal is more likely to innovate. Um because if she innovates, that would induce the self-interested agent to report the truth because the experimental project has a bigger stake if the agent lies then he hurts himself more by lying and then the agent has more incentive to tell the truth and just for the benefit of getting the agent to tell the truth the principal wants to wants to experiment so on top of the usual benefit of experimenting, which is to to learn about the experimental project and continue with it if it's if it's very promising, it has it comes with the extra benefit that if you experiment, um, you get more information from the agent. So one one surprising result we find is that if if um the agent may not tell the truth, that makes the principle more willing to experiment compared with a situation where the agent is always telling the truth and on on the other side of that we also find that the agent is more likely to um, to report truthfully compared to a setting where it's not nothing is involved with experimentation if it's just usual business the routine project the agent is more likely to lie um because as i was mentioning before the experimental project has a lot more stake for the agent so he really wants the principal to make the right decision to stick with the to stick with experimentation when um when it's promising and if he if he lies the the principal would, ex- would stick with the with experimental project when it's really shitty and that's bad for the agent. So the agent is more likely to tell the truth when the principal experiments. And the principal is more likely to experiment because she wants the agent to tell the truth. And that's kind of, um, in in, in our world, it's complementary to each other. And that gives us the, the most surprising result That we find um, that experimentation and truth telling are complements. And and it's surprising when the agent may lie, the principal is more likely to experiment just to get the agent to not lie compared to to a situation when the agent is always honest. And the agent is more honest compared to a setting when the principle never experiments because the agent wants to um, really guide the principle towards a project that is um, pro- towards an experimental project that is truly promising rather than rather than just um, giving out bad results. And that complementarity is, is kind of the new thing we discovered and, um, and then we can make the prediction that, that if we think about um the corporate world where decision making and and information gathering are separate between like the the top executive level and the and the um then the and the regional like lower level rank rank and file employees, we would think with that information asymmetry we there's it, it's for sure bad for innovation um but our result from this simple model of combining both the cheap talk lying agent and the, the experimenting principle we find that um we don't need, we don't actually need to worry about that situation because because con- counterintuitively this is a situation where the the principal or the central decision-maker is actually more likely to experiment, meaning there can be more innovation in such a decentralized um, organization. And our worry that when the information gathering and decision-making is separate, there may be less innovation. Um, Actually, we don't need to worry about that too much because because the model prediction is that um, this separation of information gathering and decision-making actually fosters uh, innovation.
0: So to be clear, well, sorry, let me rephrase that. Despite what your research has found, is cheap talk an issue that firms see as prominent and that they try to find solutions to? Although, according to your research, letting it happen may actually lead to a counterintuitive positive result mm-hmm.
1: um cheap talk is it's something that like for example um it's prevalent in in, in companies and it's not that you can always find a way to get around to get to to avoid the situation because it's usually very costly, like like of course, you can make um you can in a sense harden information and you can force someone to write down all oh, this the this the hard numbers like sales, whatever to avoid to then have some evidence to hold against the person um and say, Oh, don't lie, but in many cases, many of the things are judgment of the person himself and, for example, if there's a corporate strategy some CEO wants to advocate to the board, they can selectively choose evidence such that this strategy just looks better than the other. Um, And they can be all presenting facts, but with the selection of facts, they... Paint one one strategy uh, more more promising than the other, but there's they are actually not not really lying, not really on paper doing something shady that you can say oh this is this is illegal. they can make everything looking very like complying and Fulfill every every procedural requirement, but still there is a lot of discretion leeway, and it's very hard to just totally completely get rid of this cheap talk problem. And what we want to do is is say, okay, given this exists, what are the things that will play out and um in that in that situation, what's what's by default will be happening, and then we can think about if it creates a problem and what's the good governance or different mechanisms to to kind of um, to be of help in those situations.
0: What is the difference between incremental or radical forms of innovation and moderate forms of innovation?
1: Um, in in, in, in um first in my paper the radical rad um radical innovation is is are projects with either very high or very low very high upside and very low downside and and you can think of this this potential two ways that you can go it's either very far apart um high and low and or close by high and low that's the incremental which means the high is not that high and the low is not that low and in I, if we talk about in a in a corporate um corporate world you can think about digging uh, mi- mines or digging o- wells of oil you can tr- pick a pick a spot where there's for the radical innovation it's like you try to go somewhere where no one has has done any exploration before, and you want to dig and see whether there's oil there. Maybe, maybe it's like a lot of good quality oil, but because no one has been there before, so you don't really have have an idea. That's the radical part of part of the innovation, or you alternatively you can go somewhere where you already know others have found oil there. And you just drill a hole nearby. Probably you can get something there, um, but perhaps the quality of the oil is not that good. If you go, ju- if you just go somewhere nearby, and and it but like very similar analogies can be made in other product space, and I guess, um, yeah, and and like product lines whether you develop. Try to design something totally new, or you stick with what you have and and do some incremental change on just like the packaging.
0: What are the key concerns for innovation policy at the moment?
1: The 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 um macro level concern is that of innovation policy is that innovation has spillover and the one who is innovating doesn't usually capture all the benefits of the innovation, and because um, it's more like a kind of like a public good problem. Because if I innovate, then others can build on my innovation and and innovate more. So the social value of innovation is larger than the private value of in- innovation for me so for the for for the economy, there's usually the economists worry about um too low level of innovation in the economy, and they and given this spillover and appropriation problem, um the policies usually want to incentivize firms to do more innovation and do and make subsidy, et cetera, to to encourage firms to innovate more.